Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You know, I dealt with China to get the Paris Accords done. Uh, I dealt with Modi to get the Paris Accords done because I think climate change is something that transcends, uh, you know, any uh, particular momentary uh, issues. It, it, it's, a, it's a problem that humanity has got to deal with over the next several decades in a serious way. Um, I do think that it is appropriate for the President of the United States, uh, where he or she can, to uphold uh, those principles and to challenge, uh, whether behind closed doors or in public, um, trends that are troubling. And so um, I'm less concerned about labels than I'm concerned about you know, specific practices. Uh, you know, I think it is important for the President of the United States to say that if uh, you have Uyghurs in China uh, who are being placed in mass camps, uh, and re-educated, quote-unquote, uh, that's a problem. That- are you suggesting, Mr. President, that while it's a problem if people are being herded into camps, engaged in re-education, which happens via physical force, and you have Chinese nationals being moved into the homes in with these families where the fathers have been taken out for the re-education, which is to say an endorsement of state-sanctioned rape, that transcends, or, or the climate conversation transcends that, that yes, this is a horrible practice, but we have to do something about climate change. Man, that's a take. On a scale of one to take, that's a take. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, so good to be with you. It's stories like this that make me say, holy damn, do I need a vacation? And I'm scheduled to take one. I, and it's, it's, it's not even the, the man, oh, I'm going to go relax ones. It's the college visit one. That's a, uh, that's a very different kind of thing <laughs> altogether. But I'll tell you what. This week of news has just sucked because maybe your take is different than mine. What we've been engaged with isn't so much news. It is the radicalness that people put to the news. You have a submarine taking these four very wealthy people down to see the the wreckage of the Titanic. Submarine can't be found. It goes quiet. There's a banging ha- ever happening every 30 minutes. Is it an actual, is, is it actually people? Is it something else? Is, are they alive? Do they have oxygen? Were they, were they, uh, is the U- U.S. government, is, as uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw saying, not allowing for the, the proper aid to get there, to, the materials, the devices to be able to rescue these people? Is, is, is that what happened? Is that what's going on? I mean, there's a lot to that. But what do we get instead? What we get instead is a story about the New Republic, a leftist rag that points out in a tweet and in the headline that the CEO of Oceangate, this guy Stockton Rush, 
donated to Republicans. His donations over the years leaned heavily toward Republican candidates. What's wrong with people? It's a criminally insane thing to say. You can argue that they knew what they were getting into. You can argue that they signed the waiver. You can argue that they could have done and should have done more research. I argued that while you're going to send out people to try and rescue them, I don't want any of those people hurt. The people who got in this submarine knew every single risk. And if they didn't, I argue that is on them. But this is your statement? Oh, the CEO of this company gave to Republicans. When you lose your humanity, this is what you write about. And holy crap, has it been a week of people losing their humanity. I might actually start my vacation early. This is nuts. Every now and then it happens. We go through stories. We go through conversations. We're breaking down news. We do all this stuff. And, and, and every now and then, it, it, it's like there's this slow build that happens in, in, in the occipital, right? So build, I guess that's where you put it, in the back of the brain, in the back of the mind. These news stories build up and build up and build up. And normally, I've got the, the escape valve for this, and I can let that thing go. And it's fine. It's stuff like this that just, I, I, mean, I mean, it shouldn't, right? I, I, I get the argument. It should wrecks me. Just ruins me. He's like, who in the hell wants to be around this nonsense? Barack Obama sitting down with Christian Amanpour on CNN. I'm less concerned about labels than I am concerned about specific practices. And I have to work with China to get Paris, uh, the Paris Accords done because climate change was more important than whether or not Uyghur Muslims are being put into labor camps. My ideology so runs my life that I have to put it in front of whether or not people are being enslaved because of their religious beliefs. I'm sorry. I need a vacation. Bourbon and a vacation. Bourbon, brisket, and a vacation. I... I offer up to you that you're not crazy. You've, you've heard me say this before, and lately I've been saying it a lot. You know you're not, right? These people are twisted. We had Adam Schiff, Congressman Pencilneck, as as uh, Donald Trump nicknamed him, but he's got a nickname for everybody. It's not even, it's not even fun anymore. Adam Schiff got censured by uh, the, the, the House. And what does Schiff do? He lets you know that he's a hero. Resolution, I thank you. You honor me with your enmity. You flatter me with this falsehood. You who are the authors of a big lie about the last election must condemn the truth tellers, and I stand proudly before you. Your words tell me that I have been effective in the defense of our democracy, and I am grateful. And yet this false and defamatory resolution comes at a considerable cost to the country and to the He lied about having information tying Trump to Russia in a way to try and, and change the election. He lied. 
And then he has the audacity to go on CNN where Anderson Cooper interviews him and Democrats are yelling shame, shame at the at the Republicans like Cersei's being marched through King's Landing. And Schiff has the audacity to say that it's a badge of it's a badge of honor. Background there, you could hear Democrats in the chamber shouting shame and later disgrace. We're joined now by Congressman Adam Schiff. Congressman, I appreciate you being with us. What's your response to this censure? Well, look, it's a badge of honor, as Roosevelt said in his time, sometimes you can judge a person by the enemies they make. Uh, and this was a MAGA resolution uh, that Donald Trump threatened if any Republican voted against, as many had last week, uh, that they would be uh, subject to a primary challenge. Uh, so this is basically Trump and MAGA world going after someone they think is effective in standing up to them. And uh, and so I feel like I've earned their opposition and uh, was proud to stand with all my Democratic colleagues uh, and oppose this this, uh, you know, flagrant abuse of the House process. This is why I need a vacation. You lied. And for years you lied as heading up the House Intel Committee about having information about Trump and a connection to Russia, when we know it came from a Hillary Clinton fever dream with her campaign to try and try, to try and tie Trump to Russia. We know this. The Durham report spells this out, and we already knew it. And so you go about trying to attack John D- uh, 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 Durham. You tell us that he's not credible. You destroy his reputation. You ask about his reputation. He's like, M- I worry about my family. I don't worry about what you say. And then go about telling us that this is the abuse of the House process? I need a vacation. Who could be around that kind of talk? What's that like to do? What is it like to be that guy? Adam Schiff got done with that interview with CNN, claiming that this is an abuse of the House process, and then proceeds to tell Anderson Cooper that he's proud of not only what he did, but that he'd do it again. Do, do you have any regrets on, on how you handle the Russia issue? Obviously, the former president was never criminally implicated for anything involving Russia. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, I think the investigation of his misconduct was very important. Uh, it ultimately led to his impeachment, which I was proud to lead. Uh, and it led to the first bipartisan vote to remove a president in U.S. history. Uh, I was also proud to serve on the January 6th committee, and I would do all of that again, and I would do it the same way. Um, but uh, what is really the, the gravamen of the offense here is they feel I was effective at holding him to account. Uh, and if the need were to rise again, and God help us if it does, I would do it all over again. He says that with a smile on his face and then walks out of the studio like he's a good guy. Well, it's a sunny day. Just trotting right out. Look at me, saving America from evil Donald Trump and those wascally MAGA Republicans. Woohoo! I'm going to go get me an ice cream cone, maybe share it with Joe Biden. I need a vacation. And I get it if you do too. This is this is gross. It is gross. Very often, 
our arguments are indeed political. We have a different view than, let's say, somebody on the political left. Or maybe you're on the political left. You and I have a different view. It's okay. It is quite all right. We have a different point of view about, A, where the country should go, or if we should agree where the country should go, a different way in how to get there. That's rational. We don't hate each other. We disagree. I can't get a single Democrat to recognize that Adam Schiff lied. I can get Republicans to say, hey, I don't agree with Trump on this. Hey, I don't agree with Trump on that. I don't agree with this one on this. Even the censure. People like Congressman Thomas Massey and others, the first censure had a $16 million fine in it. They're like, you can't even get away with a fine. I'm not going to vote for the thing with the fine. Get rid of the fine. I'll vote for the censure. And by the way, censure is not enough. And I'll, I'll get into that. You can't find one Democrat to say, you know, Schiff shouldn't, should not have lied. Not a one. You cannot get a single one. That's, that's pretty ugly. That's not politics. That's a freaking cult at that stage of the game. You can't get anyone to say Schiff was wrong. Schiff was wrong. He isn't a hero. He isn't a decent guy. History should write him as a villain because he is. He lied to the American people. He tried to subvert justice. He went full Beria and decided to use the power of his position to attack the duly elected president of the United States who gives a good holy damn whether he liked the guy. No one cares, man. No one cares if you like him. You think I care whether a single Republican likes Representative Ocasio-Cortez? You don't like her policies, talk about her policies. Don't go after what she's wearing. It's ridiculous. If she says something you disagree with, disagree with her on the policy. If she gets personal, tell her it's disgusting and wrong to get personal. Focus on the subjects that matter. I have started thinking that if I ran for Congress, recognizing that you can't get anything done, the least you could do is tell people in one of these hearings that they should go blank themselves because that's all you've got left. And maybe, just maybe, you could shock the American psyche into actually demanding things of those elected people. Some of whom actually want to do good things. Not everybody is involved in some Machiavellian process to figure out how they get theirs. Some people actually want to do the work. But you can't get a single person in the Democratic Party to recognize that Adam Schiff lied and was wrong and shame on him. That censure is only part of what he deserves. Well, holy hell, I need a vacation. You might be the same way. It is ugly what we're seeing. And this week was a a tremendous amount of ugliness. And it's sometimes hard. And I try. I try. It is hard to bring the, (laughs) I guess I would call it joy. Like to bring a joy into that. This this is all rough. But I am not going to listen to anybody tell me how Adam Schiff stood up for the truth. Lying, worthless fraud. Which, of course, means he will indeed be elected the next senator from California. I mean, you can kind of bet on that one. I'm Tony Katz. All these other girls are tempting, but I'm empty, then you're
Today, it's a state visit. There'll be the state dinner, the whole thing. Biden was there introducing him. And then, of course, there's video of uh, him being confused, him uh, not knowing where to stand. There was, of course, this moment, which will be forever classic. This is the national anthem for India and there's Joe Biden who put his hand over his heart and slowly moves his hand down as he realizes wait a second this isn't the American National Anthem (sighs) but no, no, no he's totally fine he is totally fine But that's not the story. Progressives uh, in the House are going to boycott Modi's speech to a joint meeting of Congress. They wouldn't show to the joint meeting because of India's human rights record. Okay. If you say so. You'll work with India on climate change, though, right? See, that's just it. We're back to that whole Obama thing. Yes, the fact that that um, uh, China enslaves Uyghur Muslims is terrible, but climate is what matters. So you'll stand up to China here, I mean, to, to India here, because of your claim about human rights abuses. And I'm not even sure what their claim is. But you still want to work with them on climate. It would seem to me that you would want to apply the pressure. And I don't see how not showing up applies the pressure. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Maybe they're actually, you know, saying, hey, we can't have this thing. But it seems to me that the people skipping it People like Jamal Bowman, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, Representative Cory Bush. Are these people focused on, on things that are reality or are they focused on things that are ideological for their own purposes? India is a player. And as you take a look at moving manufacturing out of China because China steals and you cannot allow China to to grow, you need to starve them economically. Um, India is, is, is a place you want to go to. Now, India has not been a friend, especially when it comes to Russian natural gas and Russian oil that they've been buying, even with the invasion of Ukraine, because they've got a thirsty nation and they have to satisfy So you have to build even further inroads with India. You want them on your side, and you certainly don't want them helping the Russians. But when it comes to the progressives, are they really talking about human rights or deciding that Modi is anti-Muslim? A crackdown on journalistic freedom? Not every nation is us. Maybe I should be cheering them for actually standing for their beliefs. 
But are there beliefs about a better relationship or about them? He served in the United States Congress. He served as the governor of Indiana and a term as vice president of the United States. And now he's making a run for the big seat. A run that the guy who held the big seat is also making a run for. A run that also the very popular governor of Florida is running for. The very popular senator from South Carolina is running for. The very popular former ambassador to the UN is running for. It's a crowded field. What is the path for Mike Pence? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Vice President Mike Pence joins us right now. It's good to have you, sir, uh, have you as part uh, uh, of the show. I know you've been in campaigning. You've been back home again in Indiana. You did a a, a big event uh, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, you take a look at this field, and you know you've got these, these obstacles against you, but let's start with the top line. What is the path for Mike Pence to the White House in 2024. Well, first off, uh, Tony, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, we love WIBC. I didn't want to let these first few weeks play out uh, without checking in with you and telling you that uh, we are excited about the opportunity uh, to take our story, to take our experience uh, into uh, into the campaign uh, for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. But, you know, I, I just came from Rosie's place in Zionsville. I got I got three granddaughters in town. They were born in the last two years. We just had a great morning and there's really no place like home. And uh, I, I will tell you that uh, the, the opportunity to have been home here in Indiana to reground, to reconnect, uh, has just convinced me that this is a time when those of us with the experience uh, and the background and the knowledge to turn this country around need to step forward. And and uh, that generous introduction with that Top Gun music playing, Tony, uh, really was uh, a great, really a great setup for what why Karen and I feel called to get in this race. We just think we've been blessed. I was a leader in the Congress. I was a leader among House conservatives, fought the big spenders in my own party. I was governor of Indiana, where we balanced budgets, achieved record uh, employment. Uh, We doubled the nation's largest school choice program, stood for the right to life. And then those four years as vice president, uh, which uh, I couldn't be more proud of the record uh, of that time, all tell me that at a time when we see the country in a lot of trouble, We see President Joe Biden and the Democrats having weakened America at home and abroad. Uh, Karen and I, after a lot of prayer, just concluded that we we felt a duty to step forward. Uh, And I got to tell you, in the last two weeks since we announced, with a lot of Hoosiers that joined us out in Iowa for the announcement, we've been incredibly encouraged. People are going to MikePence2024.com joining the team, some of them even just with a dollar contribution. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm more encouraged than ever about this opportunity. But we're we're just determined you, to do our part to turn this country you, around, Tony. You bring up the experience part. I don't deny that you have experience, experiences that many other people don't have. But if the experience part is the part people should be looking at, President Trump was president. Wouldn't that be the experience part that people vote for? How do you combat that conversation? Well, I think I think you combat it with a focus on the future, candidly. You know, in my announcement speech, which, uh, as I said, people can check out at our website, at MikePence2024.com, I made a point to say that, look, um, I mean, look, there's other candidates in this race who have taken to criticize the Trump-Pence record. I, 
I'm incredibly proud of what we did, Tony. I mean, we we rebuilt our military. We secured our border. Uh, we took the fight uh, uh, to our enemies as never before, took down the ISIS caliphate. And at home, 7 million good-paying jobs, tax cuts, energy independence, and three justices to the Supreme Court of the United States who were a part of of sending Roe versus Wade to the ash heap of history where it belongs. That's a record I'll always be proud of as long as I live. But the reason I'm in this race uh, has to do with a, a different vision for the country going forward. I mean, you know, you and I have talked many times. I mean, the difficult days I've been candid about at the tail end of our administration continue to be a point of difference between the former president and I. But really, it's a vision for the future. I mean, I, I'm somebody that believes America is the leader of the free world. We're the arsenal of democracy. I think we, we need to lean into the fight. Uh, to uh, give the Ukrainian military what they need to repel the Russian invasion. My former running mate and others uh, have uh, have openly questioned uh, whether America should be committed there. On the national debt, Joe Biden's policy is insolvency, Tony. He won't even talk about the fact that 70 percent of our national debt is driven uh, by entitlements. Uh, my former running mate's taken the same position as Joe Biden, that we're not even going to talk about compassionate and responsible reforms. Uh, but I'm, I think we owe those three granddaughters of mine better. And frankly, on the right to life, where I'll be outside the Lincoln Memorial this this Saturday morning, marking the one year anniversary of uh, of the Dobbs decision that opened a new era for life. Uh, my former running mate and others are beginning to shy away uh, from the cause of life and, and frankly, you know, blaming uh, electoral. So now you're starting 22 on that. Now you're starting to engage in those separations, talking to Vice yeah. President Mike Pence, candidate for president in 2024, MikePence2024.com. Before we get into the abortion conversation where you've made statements specifically to NBC News, and I want to share the clip, you just discussed Ukraine. Is it the position oh. of a Pence presidency that spending money in helping Ukraine defeat Russia will go on until Russia is defeated? Or is there in a Pence administration a number where it's enough and we're not giving any more? You know, look, um, the the Russian invasion uh, of Ukraine um, of a year ago uh, was an act of naked aggression. Uh, and uh, and frankly, let me say plainly, uh, the, the Biden administration has been slow in providing the Ukrainian military with what they need. They promised them 33 Abrams tanks back in January, Tony, and they still don't have them. They're dithering about aircraft. Um, it's no real surprise, though, when, when we came into office in 2017, the Obama-Biden administration had cut off all military aid to Ukraine, refused to sell them any equipment. We, we gave them anti-tank javelin missiles and provided them resources they're using to repel the Russian invasion. Look, I'm, I'm somebody that believes in the Reagan doctrine that was minted back in the 80s. It said, look, if you're willing to fight the communists in your country, we'll give you the means to fight them there so we don't have to fight them here. And uh, I think it is in our national interest to give Ukraine what they need more quickly than the Biden administration is doing uh, to repel that Russian invasion. I also think that by repelling the Russian invasion, you're sending a deafening message to communist China uh, that America and the wider world will not tolerate the use of military aggression to redraw international lines. Is there support. any amount of money that's too much? Well, you know, it's interesting. In his State of the Union address, President Biden said, we're, we're there as long as it takes, right? But it shouldn't take that long. 
I mean, we're the most powerful uh, military in the world by far. I mean, Russia has gone from being the second most powerful military in the world to being the second most powerful military in Ukraine. I mean, if, if we will simply give them the resources they need, these Ukrainian fighters have demonstrated uh, their ability uh, to repel this invasion. I remain very uh, optimistic uh, that uh, President Zelensky, who I, I came to know personally when I was vice president, is going to continue to marshal the support uh, and, and drive them back out of the border. Let me say, here's my whole thing, Tony. If you think uh, that Vladimir Putin will stop if he overruns Ukraine, I think, as we like to say here in Indiana, you've got another thing coming. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that that Russian military, if they take Ukraine, they're going to have their eyes set on the Baltics. They're going to have their eyes set on Poland. I mean, Vladimir Putin has made no secret of his desire to reestablish that old Soviet sphere of influence in Eastern Europe. I think I think we provide the Ukrainian military what they need to stop them there so that our men and women in uniform. You know, I got a I got a son who's a captain in the Marine Corps. I got a son-in-law who's a lieutenant yes. in the Navy. Uh, we, we stop them there, uh, and we will prevent the day that they cross a border where our servicemen and women will have to go and fight because he enters into a NATO ally. Let's move into this pro-life conversation, which is going to be a yeah. part of the 2024 uh, political season. Talking to Vice President Mike Pence, you can get more information from his site, MikePence2024.com, candidate for president of the United States. Um the Dobbs decision, which you're going to celebrate uh, in, in, in D.C., uh, is credited for Republicans having failures in 2022 with uh, levels of, of uh, not getting enough seats in, in the House, with losing the Senate. And here are your words on NBC regarding President Trump and his thoughts on pro-life bills. I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. And, but after leading the most pro-life administration in American history, and now my former running mate is, has, has taken to calling some pro-life bills at the state level too harsh. And he it's actually, six week, he, he, he called the six week blamed, bill in Florida too harsh. You disagree with him. I, I do. Yeah. I, I, but he also blamed electoral losses in 2022 on overturning Roe versus Wade. Look, I think that the cause of life is, has been the animating force of the conservative movement in the Republican what do you Party think, for 2020. So is the argument that the Republican Party wasn't prepared for life after the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Or is the argument that Trump did not know how to position Republicans to a level of success and he's responsible for not taking back the Senate? Well, I think it might be door number three, Tully. Um, and that is, and like I said, is. Uh, um, I said at the top of that clip, I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. Hoosiers know I'm, uh, I have and uh, always will stand uh, for the sanctity of human life. But look, I, when, I think when you look at the 2022 elections, there were many examples uh, where men and women who were running for office who took a strong pro-life position, governors around the country who passed strong pro-life measures, did fine in the election. I mean, where we where we uh, stumbled in 2022, I believe, was where we had candidates that were focused on the past, that were focused particularly on relitigating the past. We actually we actually lost races uh, in states that we frankly should have won. But I, I can I can tell you and you can go to the Susan B. Anthony list online, any of your listeners and look at the stats. Uh, men and women who stood firmly and compassionately on principle for the right to life. 
uh, did well even in highly competitive races around the country. But I, I look, I, uh, for me, this is an issue that's more important than politics. But I really do believe if, if we stand with compassion and with clarity uh, on the sanctity of human life, we can continue to win hearts and minds and win elections around the country. So that's part one of my conversation with Vice President Mike Pence. I, uh, I, I must tell you that on the Ukraine question, the Ukraine conversation, there is going to be a fair amount of pushback. Because the the Republican Party, I would argue, is split on this subject. There are the people who will talk about forever wars and warmongering and why are you always getting us into a war and this has to stop and we don't need to be supporting Ukraine. We don't need to be spending our, our money over there. That is the more populist point of view. That's a Donald Trump point of view. That's certainly a Tucker Carlson uh, point of view. And I would say with Tucker, there's a, a little bit more um, of a of a philosophical conversation at play for other Republicans. It is the conversation that, that vice president Pence brought up about the idea of not only thwarting communism, but thwarting the aggressor. You don't allow the aggressor to continue to be aggressive for a second there. For a second there, when he started talking about the military, I thought he was going to get into a conversation about the military being involved. He did not go in that direction. I swear to you, for a second, I really thought that that's where he was going. He got into the conversation of providing to Ukraine the military aid that is necessary, and that is a big conversation from a lot of Republicans, and they're not warmongers. They're having a, a, a conversation about what is actually in the interests of the United States. It's in our interest to see Vladimir Putin uh, defeated, to not see Russia be able to grow these opportunities. And if not stopped, what would make anybody think, as, as Pence brought up, that they would stop there? I think he said, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I do believe that that is accurate. There's also a real conversation to exactly how much money you're going to put to this thing. I do not see Vladimir Zelensky in the same lens that maybe uh, uh, Mike Pence does. I don't see him as this this wonderful warrior who uh, is going to save us all. He did the damage to himself. The photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz, how he has gone about talking to, whether it's the United States or Israel or other nations, trying to guilt them into giving more, that's not the way to do it. I think that Zelensky, after that initial push, because the initial push was he could have left. He could have left and been safe and, and, and no one would have blamed him. Well, I, I would have blamed him. He stayed. He did. He stayed and he fought. And it was a very big rallying moment for Ukraine. And and something Pence said is very true. Russia went from being thought of as the second biggest and best military in uh, the world to being the second best military in Ukraine is a very, very good line. We see that they don't work. They don't have the skill set. That said, are you telling me that's only a lack of hardware that's keeping Ukraine from winning this thing already? How much... How much more are we supposed to send is a legitimate question. And people who are running for president who take this point of view are going to have to answer that question. Open-ended? That's what, that's what he said Biden said. And that's, I, I assume he thinks that that's wrong. That's the take I took. Well, then what is it? When does it end? That's only part one of the conversation with Vice President Mike Pence. I will get to the part two in a little bit. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. And this is Tony Katz Today. 
The search for the sub continues. I mean, it's just, it's an awful story. And and I do get the idea of you signed a waiver, you knew that there were risks, and yeah, you go down 12,000, 13,000 feet into the ocean, there are going to be risks and all the things that have come out about the submarine. Did anybody do their due diligence? You still don't want this for people. You don't want this for the people on this submersible as they went to go look at the wreckage of the Titanic. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. And, and I must tell you that, that the people who are like mocking this thing are super weird. I don't, I don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me. This is an ugly story. Ugly story. And and I have to assume at this stage, these people have perished. These people have died. And I can't imagine there's going to be a moment where this thing is found. I know that Representative Dan Crenshaw, he's now saying that the U.S. government put impediments in the way of a rescue mission. I, I want to see what they are. Show that to me. Don't tell me. Show me. Uh, I, I don't think there's any way to, to rescue these people. I think that this is done. I think this happened, and, it, and it's horrible. I think the people mocking it are weird. I think the people are making it political. What was the group that put out there? The CEO of this company donated to Republican causes. Who cares? Man, one of the things this story has shown is that some people's humanity is shot straight to hell. I think you should feel good that you're not one of those people. Find everything at TonyCats.com. As always, this is Tony Katz today.